Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. We want to thank you guys for being here today at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles like playing on a virtual tabletop with no internet connection. Kind of need that. Yep. That's, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> not much of not much of a online play without uh, internet. Not so, online. We got a really exciting show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about... What, honestly, it's become my favorite virtual tabletop system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Foundry VTT. Um, I'm really excited to talk about that. And of course, we have lots of goodies to give away, as well as unearth tips and tricks that you can bring with you on your next adventure. <laughs> but before all that, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. As we always uh, do. Right. Um, so we just finished on Friday, we finished episode or issue six of our Capes and Crooks play test. Uh, it's a bi-weekly stream you can catch on Fridays. This is our upcoming Kickstarter project that is going to be launching on as of right now and as long as nothing catastrophic happens may 18th (laughs) um we've been pushing really hard we've got new artwork coming in every day it has been fantastic Uh, i've been having a blast uh excuse the 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 bright bomber pun uh running the running the play test and my players seem like they've been having a really good time it is so interesting to me how every single time i'm like like as like like uh it's actually really cool as like the levels progress our characters just become so increasingly different like actually like at level one we're all kind of like base like yeah we can kind of do some stuff but as like the levels progress like me and ian are playing the same class but we are completely different characters like nothing about us is similar in almost any way now for dice rolls actually uh we're good last session (laughs) yeah (laughs) So, because of that, I'm really excited for this. Um, we just partnered up with a, a really important group. Um, I'm keeping that on the lid right now. Uh, but we're bringing in a really big name to help do some work on this setting. So, I'm super excited. Um, if you're into superheroes, if you're into cyberpunk, that futuristic setting, this is definitely kind of a mesh of the two. Um, so, maybe for consider sure. consider checking out... Uh, our Capes and Crooks Kickstarter project. You can head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Capes and Crooks, and you can get notified when our episode goes live. If you support the show and you want to support this project, please consider doing so within the first 24 to 48 hours that it launches. That is the most critical time to make sure a Kickstarter is successful. Um, that is statistically proven by Backerkit and Kickstarter. So if you're looking to help us, that would be the best time to, to pledge. Mm-hmm. Um, we've included some really good, some nice goodies. Um, some of the pledges will even, con- uh, include some of our other popular products. So I'm super excited for that. Um, I think that'll do it for the house cleanup today. Before we get into our main topic, we like to start off every episode by giving away fat loots to you, our wonderful listeners. Absolutely. And our RPG fat loot giveaway today is Riches of the Earth by Basil Wright. 
imagine if every single potato chip flavor had a fandom behind it. <laughs> That's the people of Tuberton. Tuberton itself is set up against a backdrop of the unsettling and unwelcome notion of a white woman controlling a... I'm so sorry. White woman <laughs> controlling a town populated by non-white characters. This is... <laughs> It's certainly a spoof style thing. I actually prepared for this too, and I still can't do it. (laughs) Uh, This is the sort of adventure where none of the people have to die, including the villain, uh, which is always a nice surprise. Uh, Fight your way through an ecologically accurate uh, salt cave (laughs) to uncover the mystery lurking within the depths. I just, I practiced this. I actually, like, talked (laughs) <laughs> this one i still can't do it anyway <laughs> our winner today is broad five four six congratulations congratulations uh for those that don't know ian what is a virtual tabletop basically a virtual tabletop or vtt is a all-in-one solution for using the internet to play, well, tabletop RPGs. When you use one, you can use it to play D&D or basically almost any other RPG you can think of. That way you can all play online. You won't be in the same, without being in the same spot, which has been obviously huge for a lot of people this uh, past year. And the things that they give you are like maps, chats, grid, dice rolling, in some cases, character sheets, handouts, card decks, and... Also, sometimes functions for macros, webcams, voice conferencing, background music, or even sound effects. There's a lot to it. Yeah, this yeah. is a, a very complete package. So it tries to capture that at-home kind of feel as much as it can, except with an actual, you know, you have a tabletop grid in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, honestly, if we were trying to describe uh foundry vtt it's almost as if someone took up all their pent-up anger and frustrations at roll 20 and they were like no we we could do this better (laughs) we can absolutely do this better uh for power users and tinkers and tech nerds foundry is the vtt that you want you really don't need to look anywhere else uh foundry uses modern web technologies to create a super feature rich experience that is infinitely customizable now why do you mean infinitely customizable? It's because people can actually just make things for this product. It is act like the, mm-hmm. people are. It's like a like I don't know if you guys play on Steam or anything like that, but it's like a Steam marketplace, but for virtual tabletops. It's just crazy. Uh, the developer is also extremely responsive. And a large community has grown up around Foundry with modules that can do virtually anything. Uh, Foundry really puts the ultimate power right in your hands. And you don't even have to create most of it because you can probably find someone who has already thought of it and it's there for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's spot on, man. That's... It's you really you really hit a note on the head. It's almost like you read that right from the notes. Good job. Yeah, I wonder how. <laughs> but if you're intimidated by you know technology, or if any of your group it plays on, you know like tiny Chromebooks, Foundry might not be for you. It is pretty intensive uh, yeah. for something. Uh, it's because uh, it, it just runs a lot of resources, so it does have that kind of issue behind it. Plus, there is right. a learn like the actual learning curve to use it effectively. 
uh, can be a little jarring, but they do have yeah. like YouTube tutorials and stuff for that. You just have to actually sit through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the, the things that is worth noting that com- not unlike uh, Roll20 or some of the other ones that are free to use, there is an upfront cost that is associated with Foundry. Um, some people may consider that a negative. Um, I don't personally. No. And part of the reason why is, yes, the upfront cost is like $50, but... Because it's open to mods and the the group that's running Foundry in general constantly is updating it and adding new assets and new features, meaning its growth potential is is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and its customization is ridiculous. And I think that that really is what you're paying for. Um, And I think that's also part of the reason why it's a little more technical savvy uh, because it's designed for the more nerdy person who is willing to go through the extra effort to add all the extra cool features to make sure their game is perfect. Now, Now, I do think it's worth mentioning though, that like uh, for world 20 though, fancy grounds and other services that they do have subscription levels too, which you'd be paying every Mm -hmm. month. But here it's a one-time cost. Yeah. That's a really good point. On top of that, uh, you know that this is just going straight to the developers to make this better. So yes, it's not like some large name corporation trying to, you know, hoard the money or whatever. This is going straight back into the people because they're trying to, they're going to want to make this product better so that more people will buy it. So yeah. even then, so, like it's worth the $50. <laughs> so how about we go through and we talk about some of the cool features and we can do this as we are, um, looking at our, uh, our, our program here. I've uh, I've got it set up here so I can kind of play around a little bit. Um, I don't know if they're in here or not, but the players. Um, so as you can see here, one of the obvious features that you get is battle maps. Battle maps, battle maps, battle. Look at how good quality yeah. this one is. Um, it's super crisp and clear. Um, I think that's probably one of the things that I you expect out of a virtual tabletop. It's mm-hmm. got to allow battle maps. Um, and I think this one gives a, a, a myriad of good quality features that the maps don't innately come with. One thing I've learned playing with some programs on map making is that you, some maps, when you make them, they come with like you can set in dynamic lighting and everything. Uh, this doesn't require the map already kind of have those set in. You can add them however mm-hmm. you want, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. You can see here that it zooms out quite a bit. Uh, so you have a lot of playroom. This is a pretty big map, I think. But um, what's really interesting is I want to talk about really quick the the things you can do as a dungeon master that just make your life incredibly simple. Uh, I don't think my players realize this, but if you see all these little white vein workers on here, because, you know, I, I have a character who has AoE powers that just happen, so I figured it was super important that this battle take place where yeah. there's innocence and he had to be careful. But what's really cool about it, up in the, the top section here, and I want you to keep in mind, my understanding of this is very small compared to what this program can do. Yes. Um, but what I have figured out is it. pretty cool. So normally you would think you would need, for instance, um, let's say 20 different tokens or something for for uh, like locals, right? Um, so you've got a villager token, for instance. Um, you can then cr- select one of those tokens and actually make changes to it on the fly and make it no longer that 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 template. Oh, there you, um, you can give you can change its hit points. You can. Uh, change out its name, its stats on the fly, and then create mm-hmm. really quickly. So when your players, and this is why I love it as a DM, if the players decide that person's now important, 
I can change it. I've now given it a name. And you can do that all as you're, you're going, which I just think is awesome. Um, that also means you can take those generic stats and apply it across multiple tokens if you choose. So if I decide this is now a boss or a mini boss and I want to make three of them, those changes that I can make now means that I can uh, change them across multiple tokens and then just change the image on the token right mm-hmm. on the fly. Yep. Um, as players, what were some things that jumped out at you that you really liked? Uh, being able to interact with other players to like... So, like, uh, for instance, I can go to, like, another player here, and I can, like, change their mm-hmm. condition. So, like, a lot... In this one, particularly, we had, like, a lot of sleep condition. You can see in the little top-left corner of Stella's character there, you can see that there is, like, a little sleeping icon mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think that was something that was pretty big to me, because that way, I like, uh, when it's not... Uh, like, uh, when it's not my turn and, like, it's their turn or something and, like, there was a reaction that happened or something, I can just go over there and do it for them. I don't have to – they don't have to put the excess brain power for it when I can right. just do it, <laughs> which and also works for the DM. that helpful for me, yes. Yes. <laughs> He's like, it's just this little button. I was like, I don't know where that is. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – I see uh, – uh, I see Ian is playing with one of the other cool features that I really like about it. Yes. Is that it? Uh, the you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing there, Ian? Well, I was drawing a cone effect though. Like if I had the ability, which I don't, we could at least trace out where it's gonna go and move it around as needed. Which is really quick, and everyone can see it. So yep. there's no if you're big onto wanting to know exactly what's in the way of your power and your effects, and I can you have control it. over it, and it's super easy to use. It's literally you go up to the ruler, you click the effect you want. I'm gonna pick a circle. And I just drag it for the effect. And then you yep. can move the token wherever you want, and it shows you what it affects. That's really cool. Um, also, like, rectangles, so you can really make, like, uh, line effects if you want. Uh, I know one time there was, like, a 100-foot laser, which if we zoom out here, we can literally make one that is 100 feet. Mm-hmm. So if you have those, like, excessively large maps, you can see that <laughs> the whole vein building is currently... Uh, gone. Being poisoned. <laughs> so, there is a... It, it is very limitless, honestly. And there's, like, one yeah. for just regular lines, so... And that's just using the... Just like you can access as a player. The DM has mm-hmm. way more tools involved they can use to, oh, like, fighting. Yeah. yeah, so, and that actually brings me to some of the stuff. Each of the tokens themselves can be set up with lighting. So, let me get rid of some of this stuff that's blocking my view here. So yeah. when you click on a token, uh, so if I click on these, first of all, I can rotate these, and I just thought that was cool as hell. So when they went to sleep, I just turned them sideways. <laughs> I just realized that I can use yeah. the arrow keys to move my character. Oh, that is cool. I didn't. Oh, that's, that's awesome. actually kind of cool. I didn't know that. We uh, learned something so, new. <laughs> oh, and that's that was actually what was cool about using it is we learned something every time we did it. So inside of these different uh, settings here. Which one is it? So this one, you can actually individually change the vision that they have. So yep. I could create a, a, a stat block for a spy that might be the same as another stat block, but the only difference is it has dark vision. And so when you're running the color schemes, it shows up and blocks their vision of what they can and cannot see, which I think is really cool. That's one thing I've noticed. This has got a lot of is dynamic lighting there was a button i pressed yesterday 
that yeah. went, okay, here it is. It says, uh, it's a transition to darkness. So when you're telling a story and you're trying to, all right, you guys are setting down for the night. The, the sun is going down. You're, you're awesome. lighting up cool. the campfire and it's getting dark. You can't really see beyond the light. Um, it just fits with the narration. It's a click of the button. Now, I struggled to get it to go back the other time, but I think I finally figured it out. See, so, you know, dawn is approaching. The the, the sun is cresting the horizon. And, oh, wow. And, it comes back real slow and nice, too. That's yeah, cool. so I little it's little things like that. Now, mind you, my foundry has no add-ons right now. And there yeah, this are is just hundreds. There are hundreds of add-ons. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about some of the uh, other features. Giving control, you can pass control, of course, to the other players. So if I decide, hey, Ian, today you're going to run uh, Big Brutus in, in, in addition to your character. And I also am doing this other stuff, so I'm going to, uh, Austin, I'm going to have you run a character. That way when, let's say a character dies, you can give them control of a monster. So while they're unconscious, they can still, you know, do some stuff if you're not like me and including fantastic story building during those times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... <laughs> that- that character has died. I'm going to... You're not dead dead. You're just kind of dead. <laughs> and, I mean, let's talk about some of the obvious stuff it comes with. It does have Fog of War, uh, yep. which allows you to block... The area is blocked until the adventurers kind of meander through it, mm-hmm. and then the map becomes revealed, which I think is really cool. But what they did that I thought was awesome, and I don't know that I have seen it, is... Once you, you can got a couple levels, you've got one that once they travel, they, uh, they kind of can now it's revealed or it's just not revealed except for what they can see. So Mm. they can't keep track. I think that's awesome. If you want to run a literal physical maze that they can't see beyond their line of sight. So it just all goes black after they pass it, which I think is pretty cool. Certainly more uh, realistic, which you can't do, <laughs> honestly, in like an actual tabletop setting. You can't do Fog yeah. of War. So that is definitely like one of the benefits of having a virtual tabletop because you can add those kind of elements. You don't have to theater right, the right. mind it right now. You can literally just say, you guys can't see this. You can't, you can't react to this as a player. You yeah. can't be influenced by this decision because you yeah. literally do not know. Uh <laughs> Zambo Nuts makes a good point. This is going to be a weird podcast. We should make sure we're describing exactly what we're doing. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. They get the point. Um, it is worth noting that Foundry also subverts, uh, supports animated maps, weather effects, um, as you see in day and night effects, which is really cool. Um, and all those things are, are just enhancements to the game. It, there's a lot of uh, Patreons you can support that create animated maps and stuff. So, yep. uh, what. The obviously just like other virtual tabletops, it includes um, dice and that you can hide, character sheet integration, um, customization. I love macros. You can create complex macros that throw your dice, roll your attack all at once. If you want to speed up your game store, your game's combat, which is awesome. Um, there are mods and stuff to get a variety of like virtual different style dice that just scatter across the screen, mm-hmm. which is pretty dope. Yeah, it's also really easy to roll for your well, specifically for like a D and D styled virtual tabletop. It's really easy to roll your stat as well. You can kind of just double click on the character and you hold mm-hmm. sh- the shift key and then you just press a button and it just rolls immediately a D twenty for you. Or if you have to do like a strength saving throw, uh, it actually brings up the option. You get a saving mm-hmm. throw or an ability check, and it just you can choose one of those, and then it rolls a d20 for that. So it's yeah. actually really awesome how well it 
does this kind of stuff. <laughs> the one thing I really like is that it's so versatile, regardless of what game you're playing. Obviously, yeah. I play 5th edition, um, mm-hmm. and it does come with the SRD for that and many other games. So it's quick. Once you learn it, it's easy to apply it to other formats that you're yeah. you're running on. Um, I sure. do think it's worth noting, too, that when you fire up Foundry itself, it does have a list of modules you can download mm-hmm. in a modules tab. And it does have a game system tab as well, too. They can download some, but that's just scratching the service. If you go to their actual website, there's actually more modules available that you can download. Same with right. game system as well. That's just something that's worth noting. So it's not For sure. So it's worth like uh, checking out what, what games do you play to go there and look and see if this if this is a good product for you. But what, to see if it's supported. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. There is. So let I, I, I've been talking about how great this is because honestly, I've been falling in love with it. Which is, I'm much more of a thir- theater of the mind person. Mm-hmm. But something like this is great when I do want to run a more complex, strategic, you know, battle. And it comes with some really cool things, but there are some drawbacks that are worth noting. By itself, the DM runs the game from their computer. So if you're the DM and you've got a old, old ass computer, you're probably going to have problems because yeah. all the players are connecting through the browser to your machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's as big as a problem as it's, I make it sound, but it is something to but be it is a aware of. Re- regardless, yeah. 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 It, but because th- because of that, they do offer – there are some third-party uh, companies that you can find right on Foundry's website. For like $5 a month, they'll host your games, which means your players can access them at any time, not only when you're running it on your game, when you're right. running it from your computer, which is yeah. – you know, on Friday, they tried connecting, and my computer decided to be uh, Windows and restart and update, so – they yep. couldn't access it. So you that would I would say is a con, but it's a very minor one considering the fee for like hosting is only a few dollars. And honestly, I don't know about anybody else, but very rarely are the players going to go and do that stuff on their own time anyway. So I don't think it's as a big right. a deal. If Austin wanted to, hey Justin, can you boot up the server? Sure, I'll leave it running while I'm doing other things. That's fine. Yeah, but right. I definitely can see some people seeing that as a a a minus. Yeah. Uh, it does have integrated chat and video streaming and music uploading and audio triggers. Oh my God. I I figured this out way too late. It has audio triggers. So like you can set it. So there's a a door opening anytime they, they say that they go through a door and you click that tile. It makes like a, or a door noise. Or if it's a trap, you can do the, the, the trap slingshot and releasing of the arrows or a sound of a fireball explosion. Or this is what got me really excited is if your boss NPC is on the map, you can click it and have it play a pre-recorded monologue. Like. (laughs) <laughs> in character voice and everything. That's actually and pretty cool. That to me is just that's awesome, and I think that's the coolest thing ever. Um, it really sets the tone for yeah. what's going on. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, so there's, like I said, there's a lot to this. Um, the the scenes that they do are pretty cool. I'll click. I'll click open. When you have the foundry open on the right hand side, you have all your options similar to like roll 20 and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see I've got the, I got the vein lab here. So that loads that particular scene. And as soon as I click off of it, I can bring up this very, oh, 
appearing overly complex, you know, configuration screen, but it's pretty simple when it's just talking about the name of the map, the background image you're going to load, fog exploration, all that stuff, and you add new scenes and can jump between them. But you can share, and I think Roll20 does this too, you can keep the players on one scene while you're editing and making changes to another scene, yep. which is uh, pretty dope. Um, but yeah, overall, it's it's got everything you need and more. It's far more complex. Obviously, you can do generic yeah. drawing and stuff. Every, you know, you can enable that. So I Can you guys do that? If you, do you have the pencil icon on yours? Nope. Uh, no. Because um, we're not so DMs. Maybe that's only... Yeah, well, I think you can give permission to everyone for those things. Is it control Z work? Yeah, it does. Sweet. So I just learned something. <laughs> uh, all right. So what are some other things that you guys really uh, liked about that, about this program? I think we covered it all pretty well in my opinion. Well, <laughs> I know we touched on modules earlier, but what, one thing I did like about a few of them, though, was how much like a connection to add to other like websites like i saw there was a fancy grounds import module for example where let's say you bought like a horde of the dragon queen on fancy grounds you can use that in theory to import that into foundry and that's cool and for that matter i also found the module two for actually importing material from D&D beyond and oh that's awesome i didn't know that so i built a character in D&D beyond and was able to import that in the foundry that's awesome actually that is really cool. I didn't know that. Yep, it's not it's not as straightforward as you expect though, because you're not exactly connecting to your account. Because it does like it. It might in that case though, like you do have to open like some like the like click like the, click the link. You also have to to open up the inspection tool that's in like Chrome, for example, and copy a specific variable over. But so I was just playing with some of the the walls. Yep. And I'm moving the character around. I don't know. Can you guys see the shadow casting? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as I, I put the walls invisible because it doesn't it doesn't show the walls visibly, right? Because you're doing them on your map. So you're just drawing right. these lines and saying, hey, this is a door. And a little door icon popped up. And then I can open and close it and it casts the light from yep. the, the player and what they can see. Like in this case, there's a there's a civilian hiding on the other side of the door. Huh. So it, and that just goes right over top of any map you're using. It's not. Uh, it doesn't. It's just basically for me. I think it was lines. Um, so when I want to click uh, a door, for instance, and I scroll down to where the door is at, and I just drag a door, and then I go back to the normal screen. A little door icon pops up, and when I click it, it shows up, which I just think is really a nice, nice little feature. Yeah, I think it's just some walls in the middle of nowhere because I can't move my token through it. <laughs> I did, I did. So yeah, so those <laughs> little things like that are built in to fit to any customized map, which is really dope. Uh, yeah. Overall, I think it's a really great experience. Obviously, I don't know all that it's capable of because I'm still learning. It it does require a bit more setup than some of the other programs um, to get going. Yeah. But I think, honestly, I think it's worth it. Um for the customization, so now, and as I kind of touched before, there is kind of a learning curve to this. But I think once you take the time and actually get get the hang of it, the benefit is worth it. Absolutely, sure. and I'm I'm on the I'm certainly on the the same page as you when it comes to that. Um, is there any other thing that we might have missed that you guys really like that you wanted to talk about nope. um, before I go through the quick uh, recommend I mean, so uh, to... my own recommendations? Yeah. Nah. Like I know, like uh, uh, like I know we touched on how this has the SRD from 
like fifth edition, for example, which includes a spell. So you, you like a cast fireball, for example, you drop a fireball token on the map, which shows the area. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is kind of a minor nit- nit- nitpick, but that's more of how I run fifth edition. Like my own complaint was it actually drew an actual circle, so and not a square. And every time I run a map in fifth edition, because it because it's a square based grid, I always treat everything as a square. I just wish there was a way to change yeah. that per se. So and I'm sure there do is. we not? I was gonna say, do we just not know it and it does exist? Because it, it seems like something that they would uh, set up. Because I know when I was designing, when I was picking the maps, there were some options in there for that. So that might be on me. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, um, upfront cost of fifty dollars may seem a little steep, but. Once you get it, you you own that software. Um, do, that that's yours. You're not shackled to a, a monthly or yearly subscription to you gain all the benefits of it. So I mean, like accessing like the DM tools, like uh, and even D and D Beyond, that's just a monthly subscription. So yeah, um, or World Twenty or Fancy Grounds or all the other various services out there. So and, and it's worth noting that the players don't need this. Um, I I purchased it. And they can access it. So mm-hmm. what that really is what makes it really good too. Like if if we all decided we wanted to try this and each player said, Well, I'll pitch in ten bucks, a whole regular group of party it'd cost everyone ten bucks and you would have this experience. Yep. Right. And I think that's worth it. So that's just my opinion. It's quickly becoming my favorite. Um I do have to say, um I do think the the the, the real the real negative that I could find really was just the complexity. And I can see that turning some people off. It doesn't bother me cause I don't mind learning, but I can feel some people turning away from that. So, yeah. Um, and as we said too, you? like a foundry does have plenty of documentation on their website and on various features. And there's plenty uh-huh. of YouTube tutorials as well too. Yeah. They got their own little YouTube thing and most of them are anywhere from five to 10 minutes. I think it keeps them pretty short so you can just find the one that's relative to what it is you're looking to do or probably do what Ian unlikely or most likely did is just watch them all as it goes down the list. <laughs> yep. So, um, all right. I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Uh, yeah. the foundry virtual tabletop. I love it. It's great. And it doesn't piss. It hasn't pissed me off nearly as much as roll 20. Not that I don't like roll 20. <laughs> it has its uses. Right. Yes, and the fact that that's free is, is a huge kind of benefit. Yeah. So, so uh, I do want to, before we move on to our owner tips and tricks, I would like to give a huge shout out to our Whitaker's Well of Wondrous Magic Items. It is a 40 or so page document that you can use to randomly generate magic items on the fly for your players, or you can randomly generate them in advance and... They range, it's very much inspired by the Diablo games, Path of Exile, all those sorts of action RPGs where everything's based on an affix and prefix system where it a certain name is tied to a certain effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the bull, I think, or of the bear is a bonuses to strengths in its various incarnations. And it's just a lot of fun. If you listen to the show, we've had a couple of the items on. Um, to kind of, as I was working through and developing it, but that should be coming out Friday, April 16th. So keep an eye out for that. If you really like stuff like this, I put a lot of my heart and soul and a massive amount of research into it. So I hope you guys really do enjoy it. And now what you've all been waiting for our unearthed tips and tricks segment. 
where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our character concept was submitted by uh, Z- Zambo Nuts. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> I would okay. go with that. Our character concept is Mick Giver. This character ah! has pr- proficiency in a bunch of different tools and kits. So that's like Smith's tools, tinkers, herbalism come to mind, as well as proficiency with survival. They would always be looking for creative ways to solve problems and would probably have a basic weapons, but would rather be creative when it comes to improvising traps or other weapons. As a class, they'd be thinking rogue, artificer, or maybe a little bit of both. And for a power gamers, do a rock no and take the Wonder Maker feat. Additionally, this fits oh, yes. well with a bard skill monkey build. And these can also help you get as many proficiencies as you can. And the Wonder Maker feat, as they then mention, is you master the tinker techniques of your people. You gain the benefits of, you gain plus one to dexterity or intelligence to a max of 20. When you make a check using your proficiency with Tinker's tools, you add double your proficiency bonus to the check. And when you make a device with your Tinker trait, you have the following additional options for what you can make, which includes alarms, calculators, lifter, timekeeper, and a weather sensor. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. That okay. is, I love, the, I love the MacGyver character concept. Somebody who's constantly just making useful equipment out of things just lying around. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I would totally love to see this also combined with, like, the Tavern Brawler feat, where you just beat people with random objects that you find lying around and turn them <laughs> into, like, dangerous weapon. Oh, man, that sounds so cool. What do you think, Austin? I kind of like that idea too. Just kind of like, hmm. I mean, I could turn this into a good kind of like baseball bat, but I'm also mm-hmm. gonna let it tell time. So when I hit him in the <laughs> head, it says it's 5:56 p.m. <laughs> what the hell? It is worth noting that that Wonder Maker feat is a Rock Gnome uh, exclusive feat mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. normal conditions. Um, of course, your DM can wa- waive that if they want. Which, right. honestly, I don't know why you couldn't. I mean, anybody can be a tinkerer in my, my in way I see, but... Um, yeah, right. I think it's really cool. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm starting to think of what are some cool little traps I can make with the uh, the, the tackle box. Is that what is it? The the block and tackle? Yeah, that's one. Uh, you can make, like, uh, that's like the uh, like a, a pulley system, isn't it? Pretty much. Um, so just, like... Having little trip wires that just drop things on people's heads. <laughs> also great for being a jester and making pranks on people. So uh, overall, I really like this character concept. Well done, uh, Zambo nuts, Bow nuts, Zambo nuts. <laughs> Moving on to our monster variant. Okay. Uh, I want to take a second to uh, talk about our awesome Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome. Uh, every week I get to spend uh, valuable time creating wonderful monsters, not just the stats, but making these beautiful illustrations um, that go into our monthly UTT book. Every week I compile this and all the notes and everything that we've talked about on the show into a, a all the UTTs into a single uh, bundle for everyone. I wanted to give a great example of what it actually looks like, so you can head on over to CritAcademy.com or I'm sorry, you can head on over to facebook.com 
and pick up the Dwarven Staticaster um, at no cost. It's available for free. Just Google it inside the Facebook search, and you can mm-hmm. find it. But um, what do you guys think about this this layout? I mean, I like the obviously I picked the purple theme yeah. for our because uh, it's the you know the color of the show. But <laughs> right, good layout. I like it. Yeah, I think that looks sick. It's true. That dwarf uh, shooting lightning is pretty awesome. So, I do like the artwork attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what the Dwarven Staticaster is. You're going to start with the origin stat block, the Oni. The Staticasters are a unique bunch among Dwarven kind. Born mostly from gray dwarves, but does show up in all varieties. Inside beats a unique spark of power. They learn to control the power of crackling lightning, releasing it through their body or in massive bursts. Lightning can be seen constantly leaping and bouncing around their stocky frames. With a bit of concentration, they can push lightning into dangerous auras, making it difficult to even be uh, to even stand near them when they uh, wish to be kept left alone. Uh, so one thing that's really cool about these is you can see that we got the background. We also have lore that the DM can feed to the players based on their knowledge checks, which reveals not only powers, but like weaknesses or um, special abilities that they have that they might use on somebody. So it's pretty cool. Like mm-hmm. there's one that talks about being able to convert offensive uh, enemy offensive attacks into uh, a defensive maneuver and then re-releasing it as a, a attack of their own, which is basically absorb elements. So let's talk about uh, the core features that they get. You're going to change their spell uh, list. The spell list is going to be Shocking Grasp and Invisibility. Now, these are both at will. Sticking with the gray uh, the gray um, dwarf theme, the, what are they, mm. Duragar? The, the invisibility Duragar, yeah. at will is just a thing. Needs to be a thing, so it is. We're going to give them once a day. They can cast Absorb Elements. Call Lightning and Shield. Surprise! If you don't know, this is a challenge rating 7 and is not for the faint of hearts. Nope. Some of the core features that we have given them, specifically, is Crackling Aura. I'm sure my boy Austin here recognizes some of this. At the start of each of the Staticaster's turns, each creature within 5 feet of it takes 1d6 lightning damage. Uh, A creature that touches the Staticaster or hits it with a melee attack uh, while within 5 feet of it takes 1d6 damage as well mm-hmm. we're also giving it it also has the enlarge feature which is a gray dwarf thing or a duregard thing where for so, one yes. yeah for one minute the dwarf magically increases in size anything it is wearing or carrying enlarges with it uh, while enlarged it gets double its damage dice on strength based attacks and etc um which is pretty cool we pick it up with the war pick, so because you know it's an it's an underground guy's gonna beat you with a pick, right? And then right. of course the really cool thing is the uh, static burst, which recharges on a six at the start of a round. It releases a crackling burst of lightning in a sixty foot line, five feet wide. Each creature in the line must succeed a DC fifteen dexterity saving throw or take ninety eight lightning damage on a failed or half as much on a successful one. What do you guys think? I really Shocking. like the recharge. I, I love rechargers because you can get so crazy with them. And that seems kind of crazy. 98's a lot. <laughs> yep. But challenge rating 7. Makes sense. So let's talk about something else that I uh, added that isn't on the show notes. I added a legendary actions because why not? 
So it's going to have three yeah. legendary actions. It's going to get emboldened presence. If the static caster is enlarged, it can assume a powerful stance, giving strength to nearby allies of its choice within 20 feet. Uh, they can roll a D4 to add that number to the next attack uh, for the next attack made before the end of their turn. So increase everyone's damage just by being present. Check out my greatness. Now in my mind, he's sh- he's he's like sh- sending out like lightning or something to like beef him up or something. I don't mm. really, I haven't really thought about the mechanic, the, the logistics of it. But and then yeah. we're gonna give it uh, static rush. The static caster uh, rolls a recharge for its static burst. Eh. More, more like lightning, right? I love those <laughs> kinds of uh, legendary actions. And then, of course, because, you know, he's a dwarf and a meathead, we're going to give him overpowering charge. If he moves at least 15 feet in a straight line towards a creature, the creature must succeed a DC 15 saving throw or be knocked prone. If the target is knocked prone, the static caster can make one attack with his war pick. Knock you down and smash you. I love it. Or nice. pierce you. Real good. Touch you. Yeah. So, uh, I... That's it. Um, overall, I really like this. I, the art that came with it was really good, and I think that uh, if you're looking to shock your players into some excitement, here's a way to do it. I really like <laughs> the idea of this character being like a uh, like some sort of like head honcho uh, mm-hmm. of of a group and the the big boss, and you because you don't expect you know a, 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 a big dwarf to start shooting lightning at you in most cases. So no, uh, at usually. least I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I so. certainly wouldn't. Uh, all right, I think that'll do it for our monster variant, the uh, Dwarven Staticaster. Nice. Austin, would you like to tell us about our encounter? Absolutely. So our encounter of the podcast is, as you might have guessed, the Foundry. <laughs> nice! <laughs> A dangerous gnome artificer named Anita Fixin. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. He's on the loose. Anita has been attacking merchant caravans to gain access to powerful tools and materials to make her weapons even more dangerous. She's been attaching small contraptions to wagon axles that explode when subjected to serious impacts. Once detonated, she robs the targets of any equipment of value to her. The characters have tracked Anita down to her lair. An old, thought-to-be-abandoned dwarven forge hidden in a mountain. She has rebuilt and redesigned the area to be nearly fully automated with clockwork and gear-forged equipment. The area is protected and managed by constructs of her own design. Uh, Use the quadrone and pentadrone stat blocks for this. Uh, The area is littered with traps and hazards that threaten the characters. Moving conveyor belts, a creature that ends their turn on a conveyor belt moves five feet every turn. Uh, massive mechanical claws, so it's a plus six to grapple checks. Uh, escape DC 14. Uh, and massive vats full of molten hot metal use fire breathing statue for this one. All the while, Anita thoughts and controls the foundry and its hazards from behind a thick wall of reinforced glass. Kind of like a very saw-like moment in this one, where you kind of mm-hmm. the game master kind of sits behind and lets all the other things do the work for it yeah but i do like that so oh i'm sorry this is supposed to be like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's certainly uh this this is a really fun uh encounter uh that i really enjoyed Uh, obviously since we covered the foundry virtual tabletop uh it made sense that i would somehow tie one at least one of the unearthed tips and tricks into it 
Uh, here you can see that I took on the foundry as a location. Mm. Anita Fixin, you know me and my stupid puns, so it only made sense. <laughs> um, I like I like this because it doesn't talk about the tracking, but I think the tracking and figuring out where um, the devices are coming from or who's planting them, and then they got to follow them back to to get to the lab is a, a, a fun aspect of this encounter. Um, and overall, I think that having all the gizmos and contraptions do all the work is just sounds like a lot more fun than just the traditional monster combat. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? I do think that going through like a, uh, going through traps isn't something you don't see too often. I'm sure some DMs do. I just haven't encountered very many of them. But I could also see this section be treated as a skill challenge as well, too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. It, it really does. It is a nice way to kind of take away from the, ah, yes, fine person, fight mob before fight person, fight person, done. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it kind of messes with that formula quite a bit. So I do like that. Yep. Like that a lot. And that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, all right. So I that think is that'll, the encounter. Yeah, that'll do it for our encounter. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Our magic item is. The phasing stem pack is wondrous and uncommon. When you activate this stem pack as a bonus action, you gain the effects of the blink spell. And for those of you who don't know what that does, you basically flicker in and out to a uh, a uh, parallel world, which is clo close by. <laughs> close than you think. Yep. Alternatively, when you take damage, you can use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. That can be quite handy, actually. And you, yeah, I can. And you remain invisible until the start of your next turn, or until you attack, or cast a spell. The stem pack is empty after you activate it. So I'm guessing this is a one-and-done Yep. Alright. Yeah, I realize potions don't actually say that because they have the potion descriptor on it. Yeah. So I was like, I probably should make it very clear that that's a one-and-done uh, sure, yeah. item. What do you guys think? <laughs> you a rogue... <laughs> We'll find this very useful. It's a death with benefits syringe. <laughs> 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 you just kind of stab yourself. You're like, oh, I don't feel very good. And then you're dead. Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this like is that. this is certainly something that I have designed uh, into capes and crooks uh, as an idea of what I consider uh, a style of items that will be around because... Most things aren't going to be the traditional drink, like a potion. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be injections. I don't know if that's acceptable, kind of like a drug, but that's honestly the best way to deliver beneficial effects, right? You could also, uh, in that kind of like setting, you could really flavor that as like... Uh... Kind of like, almost like you're going straight into like a data styled universe. So like you just mm -hmm. see like ones and zeros everywhere and you're kind of like manipulating outside of the space of current reality and you're in this weird metaverse. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, It's funny you mentioned that because I almost got rid of the ethereal realm in Capes and Crooks and I didn't. You want to know why? Because oh. I want... A ghost class i want ghost villains and so i've changed the ethereal realm to be all about where ghosts hang out and when they transition between realms it's them passing through the veil from that realm 
to huh. this realm. So I ended okay. up keeping it for that very for that for that reason. But I absolutely love what you came up with there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something a little different than you know. Oh man, it's the the, the astral whatever plane, the sea of yeah. dead things. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no. Um, well, what's cool though is like I and this is just me being kind of going off script here uh the idea of an entire adventure on missing people and it turns out that there's a super powered villain who can pull normal people into that realm and then like enslaves them or something because they can't do anything so anyways that's a whole nother another thing so yeah uh that'll do it for our uh magic item the phasing stim pack our dungeon master tip of the day is story linking and this 100% comes from JVC Perry. He has an amazing set of articles from his uh, call uh, from the Deep series where he writes about all the things that he learned writing an entire campaign book, a lot like Storm King's Thunder or uh, Descend into Avernus. And he, te- he makes this beautiful article about everything that he learned in that process. If you're a content creator and you want to make a campaign book, go read his stuff because you will not regret it. Mm-hmm. Now, on to the actual Dungeon Master tip. One way I, in which I try to make things clear for players in Call of the Deep is by including as many links as possible. Now, my definition of a link in this context is a piece of information that connects one part of the adventure to another. Most commonly, it's a way of connecting one chapter to the next or a side quest to the main plot. But remember, characters don't know which chapter of the adventure they're in or whether they're following a side quest rather than a main plot. Links help keep them kind of on track. Because players don't understand what's going on most of the time, (laughs) we need to include as many of these as possible and we need to ensure that they're not hidden behind skill checks or other choke points in the game. Mm Mm-hmm. Links are quite uh, obvious when you think about them. In Chapter 1 of Call of the Deep, the biggest links are the Seguin footprints leading out from the Crash Nautiloid and the map of the pirates that attack in the Sanguin Lair. So you got two links immediately there to that are tied to the, mm. the, 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 the Sanguin and the, the Nautiloid. Uh, these links help move the characters through a campaign and, and give clear guidance on what the most narratively satisfying next step is. And to help get your head around links, think about your favorite book, film, or television series. What do the characters discover during them that help them move the story forward? Um, there are two ways, two major ways to include links, but by, by no means are the only ones. And the best way in both situations, he agrees, is liberally. You make a lot of them. Make a, put them everywhere so it's super obvious. Uh, yeah. In this example, you got lots of links that are gated behind... Um, ability checks and then if you've got lots of links it's okay to gate them behind ability checks but if you're only going to use a few they should be around exploration uh, a really good example of the exploration was in in the article when i remember is that there's a item hidden underneath the bed in a room right it's just under the bed so if somebody does a skill check oh you look under the bed you find this but if a player just says i'm gonna go look under the bed they find it, no skill check required. And that's right. a very distinct difference between something behind a skill check and something found with exploration. Because in my experience, exploration can use both, yep. um, which I think is really, really uh, great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you I guys think about this? Actually, the example you just gave, I don't think that applies to just exploration, though, because I do think, let's right. be real here, I know, like, like when it comes to role-playing, some people are hardcore, you have to role-play it out, but I'm like, but there's no reason why why you, you can't just go, I want to convince the Lord here, I'm an awesome dude to hang out with, so I'm going to try to tell my a joke and roll a diplomacy check. <laughs> right, and that's, and that's all okay. you have to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you actually mentioned it doesn't apply just to exploration, and that was kind of the point before. This is, these are the two major ways, but by our no means mm-hmm. the only way. Um, yep. What do you think, Austin? Uh, as for using the usage of links and saying to use them liberally, I definitely agree. It's, uh, yeah. I'm going to be honest, a lot of times as players, uh, me being a player and at some points a DM, like, you kind of really do need just a lot of things that point to this. You can't actively point the, like, take the players to the sign, but you can make a lot of arrows pointing at that sign to say, hey, go this way. <laughs> right. And so. An element. Yeah. I'm. For my Monday group, I'm running Princess of the Apocalypse, and for mm-hmm. better or worse, it's a very sandboxy module. And <sighs> I do think you do need to add a lot of links to move things along. In fact, I think I gave one link way too soon, for example. <laughs> From the sense of, yeah, like, uh, like th- that link does tie into the adventure as a whole, but they're still in the tutorial area, if you will. So, like, when the player tries to go into that one link hardcore right off the bat, it's like, I'm not going to have any payoff right now. <laughs> And there's been a few points, <laughs> and there's been a few times too where my players said, "Yeah, if you feel like you need to railroad us a little bit just to keep things moving along, go right ahead." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's so hard to find that balance. The, yeah. The other example, one of the other examples he used, I pulled it up because it was really good. He talks about uh, the Tritons of this underwater city are having trouble with the Kuatolas stealing this stuff, um, and that's just kind of something that's going on, but. Yeah the characters actually took interest in that and decided to seek out the fishy thieves. Now, mind you, this underwater plateau fort thing had nothing to do with the plot, which is an elder brain grafted onto a kraken trying to take over all of the Sword Coast. It has nothing to do with that. However, (laughs) when the characters went that way, they found a traumatized Githyanki knight that has a direct connection to what's going on. So while the Smart. what was going on around it had nothing to do with it, by tossing in one link back to the main plot, the characters, are, oh right, we're supposed to be doing that. <laughs> let's let's go that way. Right. Um, and it, all of a sudden, that weird kind of side quest is now you know linked back. So I think it's really great and a, a powerful tool. That's why I wanted to make sure I shared it with all of you. So mm-hmm. all right, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip: story linking. Compliments of JVC Perry. If you haven't picked up his work, you need to. The guy is a author, author D&D adventure genius. Yep. Um, next, we have our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. <laughs> and you can avoid dickitude by planner positioning system. Austin, would you like to tell us about that? Absolutely. The instant summon spell is a pretty neat ritual spell. While using it to cause an item of 10 pounds or less to be summoned to you doesn't seem like a powerful feature, it can be pretty useful. Such as summoning a special set of armor, weapon, or item to deal with a particular problem at hand. Since the only limit is weight and components, you could, in theory, make anything available on command. Uh, This, however, is not, at least in our opinion, the best use of this power. The best use of this power 
is as a powerful tracking tool. Yeah. The, if another creature is holding or carrying the carrying the thing you've bound with instant summons, not only do you learn who the creature is located uh, that has it, but more importantly, you learn who the creature is that is possessing the item. That's a little convoluted, but point is that you know who that bad. person is. <laughs> and where they're at. Yes. Uh, this is a fantastic... Uh, for a number of reasons. Most noticeably, tracking a villain or monster back to their lair, or identifying who has been stealing from a noble, guild, or character by setting up some uh, potential items to be stolen imbued with this power. Uh, and while this may not seem like much, uh, Justin can assure you, your game master will drop their jaw when you toss this concept and wrinkle their big bad enemy guy's plans. Uh, combining this with some sleight of hand, and you can force the enemy to carry your improvised tracker. And uh, did we mention that it doesn't matter how far away it is? Even crossing other planes of existence. Say he's real smart. He's trying to be real careful. You know, he's in a demiplane. He's like, there's no way they'll ever find this. You now know he's in a demiplane. <laughs> <laughs> I spy with my instant summons. You give back my shit. <laughs> and, they, and I would be like, oh, if I was the villain, I'd be like, oh my god. <laughs> How did you? How? <laughs> Who did this? <laughs> That's awesome. What do you guys think about this? It's like a GPS, but better. <laughs> yeah. Because it's instant. <laughs> um, yeah, so this this is something that is... I never knew it did this. Because when you hear of instant summons... Global positioning satellite is not something that comes to mind when you read it. <laughs> yeah. But when you actually break down it, that's what it is. So as a player, being able to easily set up a trap and wait for somebody to grab oh. the object and then just track them back to their secret lair, um, learning exactly where everything is at or which directions and paths they take, uh, is certainly a powerful tool and a really great way to use this otherwise mundane power. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a ritual, like a, by the way. Yeah, which means you can do it as many as you want. Yeah. Right? Handy. That's good. Uh, yeah. Because you can do this on across multiple items, I think, right? I believe so. I don't, I mean, it doesn't, I don't think... You could also just recast it if it doesn't. So, like... Yeah, I think there's no limit, though. Like, I think you can apply this to many items. Um, and allowing you, though you can only summon one at a time, I think. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. overall, it's a pretty simple one, but it's a very fun idea to tinker with uh, if you want to kind of throw a curveball for tracking. So, like, I get the place this being handy where if you want to track down where the villain's secret vault is. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Especially if you can convince, like, even, you don't even got to wait for somebody to steal it. You can offer somebody a gift as a reward or as a prize or... Uh, um, like a, a yeah, hey, you've serum. earned this. Yeah. yeah, just here. Oh, this is for you. I made it for you. Um, Who's you gonna can say also no? use, <laughs> yeah, right. You can also use it to track your own allies. Uh, I I really care about Austin's character, and I'm I want to make sure that he's taken care of. Or maybe I suspect him of being kind of sketchy, so I give him a nice little ring that I've bound, <laughs> and occasionally figure out where he's at. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, yeah. uh, that's kind oh, of disturbing the more I think about it. He's over here. It's like, no way out there. Uh, anyways, uh, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by utilizing the planner positioning system. Before we close out today, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of our generous sponsors. Ian, would you like to tell us what our prize is and who our winner is today? 
Our press day is Hit or Run. Crime or Punishment? Are the characters simply a party to a murder for hire caper? Or are they serving the greater good by exacting long overdue justice? Uh oh. The PCs will face a little combat and a lot of challenges during the busiest 24 hours of their lives in this small town adventure. But success will bring great rewards, including perhaps getting out alive! That does seem to be an important thing. <laughs> ah, step. yes. The greatest reward surviving. <laughs> That's Our winner today uh, is Hayatic Maze. Didn't it win? No problem. Head over to CreditAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win and check out our other free stuff we give away all the time. Yes, Absolutely. lots of free stuff. So that'll do it for our show today. Before we close out, I would just like to let everyone know um, that Alex Baum, myself, and a group of other D&D content creators have a wonderful actual play coming out that we are starting on on May 21st at 6.30 Central, I believe. So I'm really excited to be part of uh, this amazing show. Uh, she is an awesome person. You've, you've seen her on the show. She's got great personality. And I'm super excited to have her as a dungeon master. Um, so keep, uh, keep close attention on our social media as well as the after show announcements of when uh, this awesome podcast will uh, begin. You'll be able to follow us at on twitch.tv slash Alex Bomb. Alex is spelled wrong. Don't forget. Yeah. It's backwards. <laughs> it's <not good. laughs> um, so I'm super, super excited. Well, the words are, words are mixed up. Uh, anyways, so I'm really excited to be part of that. Uh, and honestly... It's it's the group, the chat we've been, I've been a part of. Everyone's just got great synergy, and everyone is hilarious, and I really think it's just going to be a fun-ass time. So come and, 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 and join us and have let us tickle your dice. <laughs> um, I think that will do it, maybe? Yeah. I don't think I missed anything, did I? Uh, well, be sure to join us for our next episode where we're going to discuss Whitaker's Well of Wonders Magic Items. <laughs> Don't want to forget yeah, that part. Yeah, we should probably no. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you enjoy the show and you want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com and follow us on all of our social media. Oh, which is... oh, oh, oh. The name of the ep- the show is Initiative and Intrigue. Oh, yeah. I, how did I forget the name? Don't forget that part. <laughs> Initiative and Intrigue. Yes. Keep that in your search bar. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you only get to see Justin be a player and not a DM. So that's always good because uh, it's, it's, it's a weird I'm time, a... but it's a good time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, check out our YouTube. Uh, Justin does some amazing shorts on there. Please give him, check them out. It, they're so good. Uh, and of course, leave us a review on like iTunes or wherever you find us, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's the show. It is. Yeah. Like, my only complaint about this episode was I don't think we did Foundry any justice just because there's so right. much to it. We just can't have Poppy yeah. covered everything. Yeah, there's just not enough time in the world for us to cover all of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that I think that's true of a lot of the content, especially when I cut yeah. the short show down a little bit shorter. So, anyways, I'm really excited for this. I've been working hard on this 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 generator, along with all the other stuff that I'm working on, because apparently that's all I do. Because now why I have no free time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support us, please head on over to CritAcademy.com, follow us on social media, leave us a review. Please consider picking up some of our fat loot, some of our content, um, or consider supporting our Kickstarter when it comes up of Capes and Crooks. Yeah. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs>